0: Friends, as we begin our worship, let us pause and take three deep breaths so that we can settle ourselves in this place and feel the presence of the Spirit. Let us worship God.
1: Please rise in body or spirit and join me in the call to worship. The goodness of God has called us here. We have come seeking peace and hope. Praise be to God who loves and cares for us. Thank you.
2: You may be seated. Welcome, welcome to Westminster, welcome to worship. It is certainly good to be with you today. If you're visiting, a special welcome to you. I encourage you, if you have questions, find Ted or me or even someone with a name tag. That means they've been around for a little while and can help you out. So it is good to be together this morning. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, as you have found us before, every time we have come to you in prayer, find us again this day, in this moment, in our joy and in our sorrow, may we always know the grace and comfort of being with you in prayer. Wrap your arms of compassion around us, make us aware of the magnificence of this world, us to times of peace and rest. Remind us that we stand in need of forgiveness, and then having received such love, we are called to love and serve others. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. With gentleness, God speaks to us. With graciousness, God forgives us. With joy, God embraces us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now I'd like to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join me here at the front. Good morning. Good morning, it's good to see you guys today. Hello, hello. So today, those of you who are fifth grade and younger are going to be learning about a psalm in Sunday school. So psalms are sort of a big chunk of the Bible. There's 150 psalms in the Bible. And originally, they were songs. They were written to be sung. Now, through the years, we've lost track of the music, but we still have the words. And now Psalms read like beautiful poems. And I bet there are several people sitting out there, and maybe even some of you, that have a favorite Psalm. One that they hear and it just touches their heart and their soul. So I want you guys out there and here too to think about if you have a favorite Psalm, which one would it be? You may not, but if you do... Which one would it be? Okay, now I'm going to see if I can guess what people's favorite psalm is, okay? So how about Psalm (laughs) 3? Nobody. How about Psalm 88? Nobody. And you guys are going, what? What are those psalms? Those are just kind of random. You're right. They're beautiful, I'm sure, but usually not people's favorites. Okay, let me try again. How about Psalm 139? I might get a couple takers there. Me, oh, Oh what? Do A couple. I do like Psalm 139. That, that one's beautiful. That talks about how God is with us wherever we might be. If I sail to the farthest end of the sea, God is with me. That's 139. Okay. How about Psalm 51? Anyone like a good Psalm of repentance? <laughs> Psalm 51 was written by David, King David, after he kind of messed up. And he asked God for forgiveness. Create in me a clean heart, he said. All right. How about Psalm 23? The 23rd Psalm. Oh, look at there. Now we got some hands. All right. I kind of thought Psalm 23 was going to be the favorite of a lot of people. Psalm 23, maybe some of you have heard it. It starts, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, do you recognize that? Yes, yes. It's very familiar. And what I love about Psalm 23 is it has so much meaning at different points in your lives. For example, Psalm 23, I've heard it read at weddings and I've heard it read at funerals. I've heard people say it in times of joy. I've heard people say it in times of sorrow. It's a psalm that has so much meaning in so many different ways. It's a psalm of comfort. It's a psalm that reminds us of how much God loves us and how God is with us in the good times and the bad times. It's really beautiful. So you guys get a chance to enjoy that psalm today. And what I want you to think about as you're, as you're hearing this psalm is what makes it special for you. Did you see all the, raise your hand again if Psalm 23 was, is your one of your favorites, your favorite. Look at all those hands. I bet, I bet if you ask each person whose hand is raised out there what they like about Psalm 23, you'd get all kinds of different answers. That's part of the joy of that Psalm. So as you think about this and hear about it and learn about it in Sunday school today, I want you to think about it. What's the favorite part of this psalm for you? Why might it be special for you? And I bet that answer might be different for each one of you. It's one of the joys of the psalms is they can have so much meaning for each one of us. All right, so you all are going to follow Sharon and Ned and Charlotte to Sunday school. If you're in middle school, you're going to go with Sharon. If you're uh, younger than middle school, you're going to go with Ned and Charlotte. And I hope you enjoy Psalm 23. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you Everywhere, everywhere you may go I was actually thinking about asking some of you what the favorite of Psalm 23, why you liked it, but then I felt it was unfair to put you on the spot, but maybe share with each other after worship. Right, so now is a time in worship when we share our joys and our concerns with each other as we are in prayer together. So if you have something to share, I invite you to just raise your hand and let us know. Yeah, Nancy. We have a first oh my goodness. Oh, wow. But doing okay? All right, a first grandchild. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Brother and sister-in-law with complicated medical issues. Others. I'll add, while you're thinking, prayers for our high school mission team. They left at about 6 in the morning this morning. Uh, Jeff said, oh, you're going to come and see us off? I said, no, thank you. (laughs) But they are off down to San Diego, so prayers for them during their week of service this week. Yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah. Absolutely, Meg Brooke, who has had a couple different surgeries on her Achilles. Wounds have been very slow to heal. Um, she was having trouble actually finding even the wound care that she needed, but she has gotten the care that she needs and is hopeful that she'll be able to attend a reunion in September. That's her goal, but continued prayers for Meg. Elizabeth. All right, so prayers for Suzanne Grady, who fell and broke her kneecap and her wrist. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Others? All right. Speaking of new babies, I'd actually request prayers for my sister, who was due to give her birth to her baby on Friday and it hasn't come yet. She's not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> so prayers for my niece or nephew that will be born very soon. Let's take a few moments of quiet. And uh, then we'll join together in the Lord's Prayer. So let us pray. Gracious God, you hear the prayers of your people. And they're offered in the name of the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art.
1: scripture reading is from Luke the 11th chapter verses 1 through 4. Please listen to the word of God. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God.
0: So Susan has just shared with us the version of the Lord's Prayer which is quite familiar and which we spoke about earlier, all of us together, just a few minutes ago. So I want to read for you the Maori version of the Lord's Prayer, a Polynesian version, because the Lord's Prayer has migrated all around the world and been translated into all sorts of languages. So here is how the Maori Say the Lord's Prayer, eternal spirit, Earthmaker, maker, pain bearer, life giver, source of all that is and that shall be, father and mother of us all, loving God in whom is heaven. The hallowing of your name echo through the universe, the way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world, your heavenly will be done by all created beings your commonwealth of peace and freedom, sustain our hope and come to earth with the bread that we need for today, feed us. In the hurt that we absorb from one another, forgive us. In time of temptation and testing, strengthen us. From trial too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. So, I'd like to talk about prayer and life and food. Now, I don't know if you pray or in what way. I've often been surprised when the subject of prayer comes up as to how people pray or meditate consciously in relationships the many varieties that people talk about, the ways in which we turn to that sense of the divine that is present with us. The Wednesday class this month is doing a whole series called Prayer Out of the Box. And the purpose of that is to explore other or alternative ways uh, of praying. Prayer can have lots of words. It can be formulaic like we just prayed. It can have no words at all, but simply consists of yearnings and hopes and deep desires. So as we talk about this, just think about how prayer works for you and what touches your soul, really speaks to you at a deeper level. Now, for millennia, the Lord's Prayer has been a template for how to pray, and we've said it a zillion times separately and in other contexts. Last spring, the Wednesday class, to give them credit, spent four sessions on prayer, exploring what it was, looking at the different parts of it, debating and talking. I want to focus on just a few words that are in the heart of the Lord's Prayer, the words that are related to food. Give us this day our daily bread. Or as the Maori say, with the bread that we need for today, feed us. And that's preceded, as you remember, by hallowed be your name, followed by forgive us when we are in debt or trespass. What are some things that we might learn from these few words that I'm singling out for some attention here? Well, the first thing is that spirituality is connected to everyday life, to something which is very, very concrete and present for any of us. The theologian Ellsworth Calla says that this is a central element of Jewish spiritual wisdom, practicality. And Jesus' prayer is nothing if not practical, focusing on food which is a core element that sustains our lives. And when we are scarce with food, as it was in his day, then it becomes even more important to have. As you know, Jesus was nurtured in the Jewish tradition. The Psalms that Bethany spoke about, particularly you can think about the 23rd Psalm, which talks about in the valley of the shadow, you set a table for me. So again, the image of food, practicality present in a real central detail of life. Callis points out that arguably 90% of our lives are spent with dealing with details, with trivialities, with the humdrum in the everyday, what is very concrete, what is very granular. We drive along the freeway of life and what do we do? We constantly adjust our steering wheel. We look around for who's next to us and who's in front of us and who may be behind us. We're looking at signs and when we want to exit or do anything else details. We are in groups of people all the time and what do we do? We see who's talking, who's present, who seems to have what status. We think about what kind of response we're going to make, navigating these tiny details. So what is spirituality worth if it is not bound up in these details, in the stuff that we're dealing with every day, moment to moment, the 90%. So The Jewish part of our tradition teaches us that to be spiritual or even to be in prayer is to be very plugged in and very present. In his book Sapiens, the writer Yuval Harari says that the agricultural revolution 10,000 years ago promised abundance, but abundance was not present for us as a human species until very recently. Abundance was elusive. People never really had enough until what you could say was modern times. So now we have a relative abundance of food. Just think about the Bay Area and all the different varieties of cuisines that we could go and eat. Think about what you like to have. Think about the ways that we define ourselves by the food that we eat. Think about the history of food in humanity, the fact that royal courts such as the French, to mention one example, developed cuisines, developed entire ways of eating in order to show off more and to do more with food, and that that then trickled down to the average person. Think about the fact that historians say the voyages of discovery in the 15th century from Europe were driven by the interest in spices, a way to make food more interesting. And that that was a source of much of the exploration that happened then. So food has been a central element. If you don't want to go out to, say, the farmer's market, you can always turn on TV and there's a cooking show. (laughs) The late Anthony Bourdain was beloved because he would go anywhere. He would eat anything and he would talk about it. With gusto, so food is very central to us, even when we do have enough. Now I need to stop this process here because otherwise we might just adjourn and have coffee. Uh, but let's recognize again the importance of food, its centrality all the way along, and also think about the times when it has really mattered to you whether or not you did have food. In june my wife and i were in spain and we were uh, going out to look for dinner uh, in pamplona as it turned out beautiful old town there so there we were walking along the street we managed to find ourselves in that little break spot between tapas and dinner so most folks had had tapas we had not and it was a little too early for dinner and my blood sugar level was dropping and to be mild about it. I had a meltdown. (laughs) I'm glad that my wife is not here to second that. Um, But it was very important all of a sudden to have food. Bring on the bread and thank you when it did come. Most of us have been in circumstances like that. We are reminded of the centrality of this element and how much it taxes our spirits when we do not have it or do not have what we need. So spirituality, first of all, is practical. It is present, it is concrete. Now the other thing that we could learn from these few words is about us. Jesus uses the word we, give us our daily bread. Most of us know that there are a lot of people around who are food insecure. The Data tells us that maybe as much as one in four children in our state of California have food insecurity, and for them, going to school and getting that lunch in the middle of the day is really important. We have our Thursday hot lunch program here at the church. We had years where we invited people for the rest program on Sunday night, and if we forget those things, we always have folks on the corner who have a sign, who remind us, we we are together in this. We are part of a larger community. We, the poet John Donne, talks about how no one is an island. We're all part of what he calls the main. So as we look at our food and what we have, we need also to look at others and what they may not have. What kind of sustenance in prayer and in action can we create for them? so that we pray not simply for ourselves, but we pray for all of us. The next thing that Jesus talks about here, or brings to our attention, is it's okay to ask. Now we live in a time of human sufficiency. We can do a lot of things. We have a lot of mastery. We should maybe use our hearts and brains and minds to make things better, and in that We may feel it's inappropriate to ask, why should we ask? Jesus says, ask. Even as the Bible says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, the Bible also says in this particular prayer, God is not far, God is near. God is aware. We can ask. We can bring our true needs, our deep self, to God. So another way, another question we can raise is, what is the further relevance that we might find in this prayer, not simply about food, but about sustenance in some deep way? So we have this wonder of relationship that we have to God, but our theologian that I referred to, Ellsworth Collis, also says, what about our security? What about the fact that we have done so much in our society to bring some security? Security that didn't exist in Jesus' time. Healthcare, healthcare for the poor, food stamps, protection in the form of intelligence services or the military, the police who patrol out there so that we don't have to patrol and we don't have to defend ourselves and yet Is there not this floating sense of insecurity? When my wife and I left on our trip, a number of friends spoke to us and what they said most frequently was travel safe. Not have a good trip, that was true, but travel safe. This little sense that we have that things can happen, the insecurity that has been stirred by the various terrorist incidents, the way in which we watch our kids that we didn't do before. What about the prayer connected to our security? That God is with us in this insecurity. God is in relationship with you in the midst of whatever insecurity you experience. You are not alone. So, in these few words, Jesus says to us, turn to God, ask for what you need, be with God in the concrete details of your life, request of your creator what you have the means and the sustenance to do with God's help. Now, the Lord's Prayer and our tradition and spirituality in general would not be good if it were not practical. So here we have a practical prayer, something that deals with you and me every day. Life as it is, think about your life, what's going on in your life, and be reminded that the Spirit is with you in all of those little details of your life, in any worry or in any area of thanks that you wish to say. Share your concerns with God, know that God is present, this is the teaching of Jesus. So let me read once more this gorgeous prayer in its entirety because there's so much we haven't talked about today, but we are reminded of it maybe in a different way with the Maori version. Eternal spirit, Earthmaker, Painbearer, pain bearer, life giver, source of all that is and that shall be, father and mother of us all, loving God in whom is heaven, the hallowing of your name echo through the universe, the way of your justice be followed by peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom, sustain our hope and come to earth with the bread we need for today, feed us in the hurts that we absorb from one another, forgive us. From a trial which is too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever, amen.
2: You may be seated. As always, I encourage you to take a look at all the announcements in the bulletin, figure out where you would like to get involved and plug in. Just a couple highlights. Uh, Ted mentioned our Wednesday class, Praying Outside the Box. We're looking at ways of prayer um, that maybe we don't necessarily think about beyond just sort of sitting with our head bowed. So this Wednesday, we're gonna be looking at chanting, specifically in the Teze tradition giving chanting as prayer a try. So if that's interesting to you, I invite you to come Wednesday at 9.30. Not in the bulletin, but just a little highlight for next week. Um, Patty Sanders, who is from the Presbytery, our geographic body of churches, is going to be here... uh, talking about the Pedal for Protein, something that our presbytery does every fall. Uh, Bicyclists raise money, and all the money raised goes to support food banks in Northern California. In the past, they've raised thousands of dollars, all donated to food banks. So Patty's going to be here next week, both to maybe sign you up, if you're a cyclist who's interested in participating, as well, she's going to have all kinds of fair trade items for sale, and all of that money goes to the Pedal for Protein cause. So look for... look for Patty next week. Finally, just a couple notes on our staff. It is the summer. People are traveling. Whenever Jesus our Sexton isn't here, people seem to get really nervous. Like, is he okay? He's fine. Jesus is on two weeks of vacation. He's going to be mostly in Iowa, which is where his mom lives. So um, Caesar's here. If you have any needs for the building or the parking lot, definitely track down Caesar. He's very willing to help. And then the Reverend Dr. Rob McClellan, I always like to throw in the doctor, uh, is also on a couple weeks of vacation. He'll be back uh, the first of August. Um, I will be around those two weeks. If you have any pastoral needs, don't hesitate to call the office or send me an email. I will be here and our office manager, Diane, will be here as well. So at that, I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn. It is number 66.
0: may the blessing of Jesus, our Lord, of our Mother, Father, God, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be yours this day and every day. Amen.